This is Lacey's story. Welcome back to the Six Feet Above podcast. I am sitting across the way from Lacey Odom, who, if you are a local fitness buff, whether you take classes, whether you're a trainer, you know her name, you've seen her around. And another success story over the pandemic, we just interviewed Erica Carter last week, um, who really built a business through the pandemic. I would say, Lacey, you are one of those people that during this time, you either fight or flight, right? Like you didn't have a choice and your business didn't open up right before COVID. Yeah. So technically we opened at the beginning of November, Okay, but because of like the government is so slow and everything, we actually had our grand opening and like our ribbon cutting two weeks before quarantine. Okay. So Lacey is the owner and founder of Live Fit. Is it Live Fit ATL, Live Fit yeah. Atlanta? Okay. Yeah. All right. Tell us a little bit about it. What, you know, what services, what kind of workouts, what kind of style do you have? And then where's your, where are you located? Yeah. So we do hit strength training. So we just use dumbbells. So there's no cardio equipment. Uh, we build the cardio into the workout. Mm-hmm. So uh, all the classes are 45 minutes and it's um, hit style strength training. Okay. And we have uh, two locations now, one in Chambly and mm-hmm. one in Alpharetta. So you are open for like two, three months before the pandemic hits basically. Yes. And what is like your first, cause you've been in this industry for a long time, Yeah. you know, the ins and outs and Mm -hmm. Um, you worked for a big boutique company before you Mm -hmm. opened your own. Yeah. So obviously there's this hesitation going off on your own, I'm Mm -hmm. sure. And then COVID happens. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) It was never part of my plan to even open a gym. Really? No. How did that happen? So I was working full-time in sales. I was in telecom sales throughout my whole fitness journey, pretty much. Okay. Like I got certified, I did um, fitness competitions. I started doing online training, coached at Barry's boot camp, everything while I was in a full-time sales role. Okay. Um, and I started, so I was coaching at Barry's and then I, because I had done online training for like five years before yeah. that, I already had like a nice following on Instagram and I was getting to know people more locally. Mm-hmm. So people were reaching out to me to do training on their own mm. and I didn't have time to do personal training. So I started doing training in my garage. Oh, um, I did like a setup in my garage with just like a squat rack and some dumbbells, a few slam balls. And I started coaching just a small group of yeah. girls two days a week after it was after work. And then on the evenings that I wasn't coaching at Barry's at the time, and then my schedule changed with Barry's and I started doing four days a week with mm-hmm. the girls at the house. And it was just a simple, like one day we were there, I mentioned it to them that we could maybe do more if they wanted to. And they immediately was like, yes, yeah. I'll come yeah. every day if you'll do it. So we started doing Monday through Thursday and then. And your full-time job. Yes. And Barry's actually at the Jeez. time. <laughs> and I was doing online training too. <laughs> This, but it's just how I am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, t- I DM'd Lacey the other day, probably like midnight, because I'm like, I never want to text people, but I'm like, if they get a DM, it's not going to wake them up. Right. She's like, no, I'm awake. I'm always awake. <laughs> I'm awake. Yeah. I've always been a night owl. Yeah. I get same. so much done. Me at too. Night. But then we have to be up at like five. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I feel your pain. Yeah. Okay. So you're doing that. You're, you have this Monday through Thursday sort of yeah. like small group of women. Yeah. Yeah. At that time it had grown. So I was doing one group. And then I started doing two groups, like I did a, a 5.30 and then a 6.30. Okay. Um, 
And I hate to admit this, but a few years prior, my husband had told me that I should open up a gym. Really? Yeah. And, you know, they don't know anything. So I was like, (laughs) absolutely not. Well, and to be honest with you, the main reason I'm very um, risk averse when it comes to like financial things. Mm -hmm. Like I'm like a hoarder of any money that I have. Um, So I at the time I only pictured if I was going to open a gym, it would have to be like an LA fitness. Right. You know, and I knew myself and I wasn't going to take out like a million dollar loan, you know, to buy that space and that equipment and all that stuff. So that's why I didn't think it was an option for me. But as I had, I had been doing the training in my garage for a year exactly. And one day I was like, I had first, I don't know what had happened to me during that day, but it was on my mind for some reason. Um, And when the girls got there that evening, I just mentioned it to them and I sent them for a run around the block for a warm up. And when they got back, it was kind of like the decision was made. Mm. They had ideas. They I felt like I really couldn't say no at that point. They immediately believed in me so much Mm -hmm. and gave me the courage to go for it. And I walked inside after that and I looked at my husband. I was like, I'm going to open a gym. He's like, oh, really? (laughs) I was like, yeah, but I'm going to do it my way. Right. So I literally, LiftFit is pretty much a larger scale of what I did in the garage. Okay. Which I, I've been there several times and it just goes to show you do not need anything super fancy. Like, and women, we need more strength training, yeah. especially into your thirties, especially. Yeah. Um, but I think when people think of gyms or fitness, they think that you need all of this equipment. And mm-hmm. if there's one thing that the pandemic taught everybody mm-hmm. is that you don't. Yeah. Like there's so much that you can do with just body weight. Yeah. Right? There's so, I, looking back, I feel like God was really looking out for me and my, um, almost like my vision for lift mm-hmm. it was so like conducive to COVID. Yeah. Like we, most group fitness studios have between 30 to 50 people in a class right. and we had 10. Right. And that was how I wanted it from the start. So it was already designed that way even before COVID. And it's an open space. So there's yeah. nothing like on mm-hmm. the floor. I mean, you walk yeah. in and it's literally mm-hmm. a box. Yep. It's right? wide open and you don't share anything unless you want to. Yeah. So it it worked out. So you were like doing the COVID workout before COVID exactly. Hit, yes. Thank God. Right? Yes. So at what point were you like, okay, I'm I'm going to ditch my full-time salary job mm-hmm. and go this route? Like that's a – I mean – And I think people look at the fitness industry and they really, unless you've been in it, like I've said this so many times, nobody goes into fitness for the money. Right. Right. Like you go into it because you love people. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that's what you want to do. Yeah. So I never did a whole, which since I have had, had to, cause I'm doing, I'm trying to do other things with Mm -hmm. the business now, but I didn't do a business plan. I didn't talk with any kind of advisor. I'm not recommending this by the way. I'm just (laughs) giving you my personal experience and it happened to work out. It could have gone either way. I knew that I had a passion for something and that what I was doing was working with the people currently that I was working with. And I didn't say, okay, I need this many members paying this much to make this much money. I actually still, which again, I don't, Mm -hmm recommend necessarily, but I still have never paid myself at all. Mm-hmm. I haven't taken a single dollar from the business for anything personally. It just for goes back into the business. Yeah. 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 Um, and I mean that, that worked out. I didn't have a plan of, okay, we're going to be profitable in six months. We're going to be profitable in a year. And then I'm going to start taking this home. Um, it was, it was never like that for me. You just had this calling that like yeah. you had to do this the next step. 
Yeah. 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 And I quit my full-time job to answer your question, I yeah. believe. I kept my AT&T job for the first six months. And you opened this? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. It was insane. I was teaching 32 classes a week plus Lord. doing all the business side and a sales job. How old are you? I'm 33. I just turned 33 last month. Okay. Um, I only ask because I think I think the world is changing and that women are finally being recognized for being entrepreneurs, for mm -hmm. being, you know, um, business starters, whether you do network marketing or you open something from scratch. Mm -hmm. Right. And we see the Sarah Blakely's of the world. We right. see these successful women. But when you start to look at your local level, mm -hmm. I think it's more tangible Right. And you're like, I know her. I go to her classes and mm -hmm. she's doing it. Mm -hmm. So if if somebody's listening, that's, you know, 28, 30, 35, 40, 50, whoever, right? That's had this calling, but is so hesitant because it's a huge leap. It's mm -hmm. a huge leap of faith. Mm -hmm. What are the kind of like your top few tips for them, whether it's mindset or maybe not so much like exactly, exactly business route, but like really mindset and that faith base to do it. Yeah. I think the top two things is take scared action. What take does that mean? messy action and scared action, okay. meaning you're probably never going to feel 100% ready mm -hmm. or 100% sure, sure that it's going to work out. But if you will just take steps, mm -hmm. even though you're scared yeah. and even though you are unsure, the with every step, you get a little more confident. Right, right. And putting one foot in front of the other and just going after one little goal a step at a time, they add up and they become bigger. And my other tip is kind of towards that. I've, I th just personally, again, because I am risk averse, I think start with what you have. Mm -hmm. Start small. Yeah. Serve those people. Sure. Serve whatever you're trying to do. Like fulfill that and then grow as as you go. Yeah. I wouldn't... Like if I was going to open a med spa, for example, right. I probably would not go to Buckhead and sign a 10-year lease on a super nice office. Right. I would probably legit turn my garage mm -hmm. into a sick studio Yeah. and I would serve as many people in there, Right. get the word out about my, my services, my reputation, and then I would grow from there. Yeah. That's just me. But I think... You don't have to have a gazillion dollars. You don't have to have everything figured out. If you know what you're trying to do, find the people that you can serve and just go with that. I love that. Go as you grow. Yeah. Like just kind of learn and, and jump into it. Because mm -hmm. you're going to figure a lot out. Exactly. When you're doing it. It's you like can, you almost, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So you kind of have mm -hmm. to start to get the wheels turning and into motion into mm -hmm. place and, um, you know, just kind of take that initial leap. Yeah. So what have been the most rewarding parts of being an, an owner and what have been the most challenging parts during these past, well, since you've been open basically, yeah. but especially, you know, the, related to COVID. And yeah. I think this is, I know an unpopular opinion. I think COVID happening to me in the first couple of months of owning my business was the best thing that ever happened to me. Really? Because I learned quickly that I was all in mm -hmm. and I would do whatever it took to make it successful. Uh, it forced me to be creative, to be innovative and to serve people in ways that they needed. Mm -hmm. 
And I don't know that I would have done that otherwise. I think I would have yeah. stayed maybe a little more in a box of what I thought fitness was like right. before. Um, but when we, it wasn't immediate that I was like, okay, I, I've got this. Like I had heard the rumblings of COVID. Yeah. I knew what was happening like in Spain right, and right, Italy. Right. Um, but I was in super denial yeah. about it. I was yeah. not ready to admit what was happening or what was coming. And the first, it was, I feel like it was like a Thursday, a Wednesday or Thursday when we found out that we were going to have to close mm -hmm. or quarantine. And I was that weekend, I was so depressed. Mm -hmm. I, I remember laying on my living room floor and a, a friend of mine was living with me, my husband at the time. And she walked in and I was like, this I knew this was too good to be true for me. Yeah. Honestly, that's what I was thinking, which is my outlook outlook on a lot of things that I'm trying to work over, you know, work through. Um, but that's I was sort like, of negative, that yeah. initial negative. Yeah. 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 Like this was too good to be sure. true. Yeah. And I was like, I knew it. Like I knew something was going to happen that was so out of my control that was going to derail everything yeah. I was trying to do. And it was like that weekend. And then I, I never, we never closed once. My clients never knew I was going through these that weekend of complete doubt mm -hmm. I emailed everyone and let them know we were going to go to the park mm. um and it worked out we I did every I didn't drop any of my classes we didn't have a single day that we were closed we did every class at the park they booked through the app the same you way brought all your equipment to the park um, no, we did body weight oh, only. Okay, okay. Yep. We did body weight only. And I did a virtual class every day from the park. Wow. I did all of my other classes from the park and it worked out. And because every other gym closed, mm -hmm. instead of doing what I did, people brought their friends. Mm -hmm. They stayed once everything opened back up, they brought their friends. So. Wow. Good for you. Yeah, it's, it has, it has worked out. But I, I remember that Sunday, like that weekend I was super. Yeah. Just not good. <laughs> and then that Sunday I was like, I'm going to figure this out. Right. Like right. I'm going to make this happen. I put all of my clients, we were, you know, new. So I didn't have a ton of clients at the time. So I put us all in a Facebook group. Mm -hmm. I did a challenge where we had to like check in every day, like bring us together in every way possible. I did mimosas on Saturdays at the park. We made TikTok videos. So <laughs> I did everything I could to be the bright spot that they needed at the time. Yeah. It was the only interaction they were getting with other people. Oh yeah. I have, I have people that are like, we miss your $5, 30 minute zooms. I'm like, oh God, I bet you do. Oh God, I forgot about those. <laughs> I black those out. Yeah, exactly. Where does your, um, work ethic come from? Um, it comes from not having anything as a, a really? child. Just yeah. growing up with nothing. Yeah. Where are you from? I'm from South Georgia, a okay. small town called Jessup. Okay. Just like your family life wasn't really there for you financially, spiritually, like kind of everything or. Oh, we were spiritual. Yeah. We're South Georgia Christian. Yeah. But like, spiritual is all you have. Okay. That's all. Yeah. See, no I'm money, from, but you had spirit. <laughs> I'm from upstate New York. So like, I'm still trying to get used to this. Oh South. yeah. Both and of like, my grandfathers were are Baptist preachers. Oh wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. We had God. Okay. Yeah, for sure. It's no money. More but, than God. <laughs> yeah. We had a lot of love and a lot of God. So my, yeah, I mean, so my mom got pregnant with me when she was 15. Oh wow. Yeah. And, um, I didn't know who my dad was until I was 13. I met him. Oh, I lived. Shit. Yeah. It's kind of a lot. I lived with my grandmother because obviously my mom was a kid. So she lived with my grandmother. But then when she moved out, I stayed okay. with my grandmother. Okay. And I lived with her until I, I was about eight. And she passed away when I was 10. Your grandma? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. The worst thing that has ever happened to me. Um, and I moved in with my mom. Okay. And then when I was 13, I realized that, or I was told my sister's dad was not mine. Mm. And I, I learned who my dad was at that time. So mom, it was my mom. So there was three of us, three girls and my mom. And she was a single mom most of our childhood. Growing up, yeah. So um, she did the best with what she had. Yeah. So sure. did you start working very young? Yes. I worked, I tried to work before it was legal. I remember being in Winn-Dixie <laughs> and I wanted to be a grocery bagger so bad. I was so young. And when my, when my Mima's, what I called my grandmother, uh-huh. we would get food stamps. Uh-huh. And I would go in Winn-Dixie and it was like my place. I had my own cart. I got all the groceries I wanted and I wanted to bag them so much. That was like our thing. There was a Dollar General right next to the grocery store. I would go in there and get to pick out one thing each month and then go to the grocery store. And I asked them if I could work there. And she was like, you are, it's illegal. (laughs) You are not even 15. So I sat with an elderly lady when I was super young. Yeah. And I worked in the flea market in the summers. I did every from just just really young. And I kept every I remember actually when I was sitting with that elderly lady, I I think I made like twenty dollars a week. Wow. And I wrote out every single thing I was gonna do with it. Really? And like how much I was gonna save of it. And yeah, and I've been I've just been that way. When I turned fifteen, I got two jobs at the same time. Okay. And I only had a certain amount of hours in the day. So I had to let one of those go. But I was trying to waitress and work at a local jewelry store. Uh-huh. And the waitressing thing didn't last long because I, was, I was in school and it, you had to work so late. Right, right. Um, and I was literally, I think, in the 10th grade. So I worked at that jewelry store through like my first year of college. So you've just always had this sort of like hustle mentality. Yeah. So is it is it more like... Um, whenever like people come from a different place and I came from, I'm just very curious. Mm-hmm. Was it more like fear-based? Like, I don't want to end up in this place or in this financial capacity mm-hmm. or, or how my mom was mm-hmm. raised or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or did you actually have like huge goals that you were working for? Or maybe like a little bit of both. I don't think I had huge goals. Okay. I didn't think it, it was big goals like are possible for scarcity, me. Scarcity, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. It was it was scarcity. I never thought it definitely was not goals. I didn't think anything more was going to happen for me in my life. Um, it was more <clears throat> like I, for some reason, I had the awareness that I feel like a lot of kids, because you know your life is only what you know, correct? You know, so you don't That's know different. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, but for some reason, I did. Mm. Like I think. It was because I had friends who, none of my friends were like me. All of my friends, their parents were married mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would go to their houses that they had just built. And I just knew that it was a lot different for me. Yeah. Like from our, in inside the house that we were growing up in, like I could, in several different parts of the house, I could see through to the outside. Like from my room, I could see through to the outside. Mm-hmm. Um so I just knew that it was different and it seemed that money was the main thing. Like everything sure. was, we didn't have money for anything. I don't know why I remember we were driving past Burger King and I was the oldest of my two sisters. So mm-hmm. I was much more aware of our situation. Yeah. And my little sister was like, can we stop and get a happy meal? And my mom was like, no, we can't afford it. Mm-hmm. And I got so annoyed. I would get so annoyed with them for asking for mm-hmm. anything. And 
I don't, I don't know. I just had that awareness from a really young age. Are you super close with your mom? Yeah. 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 I've, I, this is in, this is just the truth and like our story. And the only reason that like my, like my mom and my sisters are super close and we're all do well, you know, like on our own is all because of my mom. Right. Like she definitely did the absolute best with what she had and everything she did was for us. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't think you have to have a ton of money to be a good mom. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So family's always been important to you. Mm-hmm. Motherhood has always been a yeah. goal. Yeah. And you have been very open with your struggle mm-hmm. over the past few years, um, which we we spoke a little bit before. And, you know, I'm not in that place. I've never been married. I, mm-hmm. I, I it's a very different story for me. Yeah. But my mom um, struggled after I was born. Mm-hmm. And I remember a lot of what she went through and what her and my dad went through and the, the, the challenges it places on a relationship, right. Mm -hmm. Um, amongst other financial challenges and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So if we could maybe start from the beginning, you've been married for how many years? I've been married for, it'll be two years in June. What's your husband's name? Kendall. Kendall. Mm -hmm. How'd you all meet? We met at a mutual friend's birthday dinner. Okay. Like here in Atlanta? Mm-hmm. Where'd you go to school? Yeah. College? It was the first year I was here. I went to Georgia Southern. Okay. And I graduated and moved here. And that first year I was here, I met him. Got it. Mm-hmm. Got it. So you've been together for several years. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm sure you've had the conversation before you got married about the kids and, and uh-huh. we're on the same page since that day. Yeah. We've been on the same page. Like we've always wanted kids. He is actually, has always been kind of like amazed by like the closeness of my family Mm -hmm. like he not that his family is not close because they are but he was just does not understand he's like it's crazy how you guys are and so he's known that like that's who I am and then I want a family like that right right from the beginning so we kind of like had this plan and we both he's also an extremely hard worker yeah and um we both have been really building businesses and Uh careers we knew we wanted kids. We just didn't know it was going to take this long once we started trying right, to right, right, right. for it to happen. Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> you, I mean, you say, okay, like now's the time. Let's try it. Let's give it a go. And it has, it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So this has been a year and a half in the making, I think you said, mm-hmm. or yeah, right, two years now. Yeah. Almost two years. Which we coincides with her business, mind you. <laughs> yes. I did get engaged. And married during COVID. Mm-hmm. I got married the first June of COVID. Like, oh, my gosh. The, and when it was, you know, real. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Um, yeah. So the month we got married, I stopped my birth control. Okay. So we started trying immediately. I told him we'd be married for a year first, but, you know, <laughs> that didn't happen. He was like, I knew that was never going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah, we started trying then the month we got married and... About a year, once we had been trying for a year, exactly, yeah. I went to the doctor because that's what they say, you know, try for a year right. on your own. Right. And I wasn't wasting any time. Right. My sister, who is 18 months younger than me, had been struggling for like five years at that point. Really? So I was really like hyper aware. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she had to go through IVF eventually too. So I was really aware and I wanted mm. to be on top of it as much as I could. And well, plus like it, it's, it's one of those things where 
if your mom had struggled, right, it, it feels like it would make sense. Like you're okay. I need to at least have that on my radar. Mm-hmm. So growing up, she it sounds like she had three girls, no yeah. problem. Yeah. So it's not like that's even like right. on your like you're like oh no, this will be not right. easy, but it shouldn't be an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. it's interesting that you and your sister right. have gone through it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which you know, in the back of your head, it's that kind of that fear-based sort of mentality that this is too good to be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when that happens, it's got to feel like, oh, here we go again. Right. Right? Yeah. Maybe. Because I think it's, it's like so far in my adult life, everything that I have been able to work and be in control mm-hmm. of, I have made happen some way mm-hmm. for myself. Mm-hmm. And then it, the part, the things that you can't control. Yeah. That's what, you know, is the scary part. Well, and um, I just appreciate that you're talking while you're going through it. Mm -hmm. I think, yes, many women share their journeys, but it's usually after the fact. Yeah. Because it can be very, I mean, it's hard no matter what, right? But especially when you're in the Mm -hmm. thick of it. Yeah. I So I went through, so I did two IUIs. So that's when... It's not the full IVF, right? They're just mm-hmm. getting yeah. Embryo that's ready. the artificial insemination. Okay, turkey okay. baster. Got basically. it. Got it. Yeah. So I and I wasn't. I didn't tell anyone about that. Really? No one. Mm-mm. Either so you're one still of those working, two. You're st- at this point. Is this when you were opening the second location too, or right around there? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I. Mm-hmm. So she has another location in Alpharetta that opened. Mm-hmm. Uh, a year ago? A year in May. Yeah. We okay. had been open ex- a year and a half exactly in Shambly when I opened Alfreda. Okay. Um, so I did two of the artificial inseminations. Neither one of those worked. And then I found that go that was two months pretty much because I did those back to back, which is also a ha- hard mm-hmm. um, on your body and your mind. And to be alone, like I didn't tell my sister, literally anyone, I wanted to surprise them. Mm. And it was really hard to be completely alone doing it. So when I decided to do IVF the immediately the next month, I shared Mm. and I shared it on Instagram and so many other people are going through this. that don't necessarily have this platform. And so it was really, I feel like I was also helping people to know that they're not alone. And if you feel like a big fat whale, you're not alone, you know, and if you're depressed and then all right. of a sudden you're happy, you're not right. alone, right. you know? Um, so I, I have been more open through the IVF part. Yeah. So as far as like feeling like a whale just completely changes your body and the hormones mm-hmm. and yeah, you're just super you're, bloated. Yeah. I froze my eggs and I, for, um, I had, what was that, the term hype or something afterwards where basically my body didn't process the hormones. Uh-huh. And I was like out to here. Yeah. I gained like 17 pounds. Yeah. And that was just the first part of IVF technically. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even just your ovaries, like t- typically your ovary is like the size of like a grape tomato. Yeah. And they get to the size of an onion. Yeah. It's so, it, yeah. Not comfortable. No, it is. But so that's just the physical part. So right. what are you going through, you know, emotionally? The physical part's the easiest part. Right. If you're cool with, you know, being bigger for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, it hasn't been a good experience for me emotionally, mainly because I've had a lot of people do this and they have end up with like a lot of embryos Mm -hmm. and we have only had one from the start. Like we had one and then we thought we had three and Mm -hmm. then it went back to one. So I've, I have 
kind of feel like I've been holding my breath mm. the whole the whole time yeah. since I started. Yeah. Because I only have that one and there's no room for error. Right. So if I had some backups, <laughs> right, right, right. I would feel a little more okay. Right. But I really I feel like I cannot breathe until um give birth pretty much with right. this, if this one works out. So right now we sent this, we ended up with one embryo after okay. we did the whole egg retrieval shots, all that stuff. Right. And we sent that off for genetic testing. And, um, I thought it was either a yes or a no, this is a good or not good, but it came back inconclusive. And this is recent. Like this was last, last week. week. Yep. 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 Last week. And I was really upset about that, honestly, because what does that mean inconclusive inconclusive means it didn't show. It's really actually very confusing. Yeah. And I'm not exactly sure. And I didn't know it was an option. Yeah. I thought I was preparing myself either way for a yes or a no. And then when it came back, neither, it was really mentally challenging. Right. Um, and you also have to make a decision quickly on what you want to do with it. Do you want to have it tested again and Mm -hmm. hope that they can get a clear read on it? Or do you want to do another retrieval? So go through everything you've already gone through and hope that you get more embryos next time. Yeah. The, the no guarantee in this is also though, just, you know, there's, you don't get your money back either. Exactly. And your time and your body and your emotional state. Yeah. Knowing that, and that my husband and maybe other people listening, their husbands can relate because their husbands feel this way, but the uncertainty and that like we may be going through all this for nothing is he really struggles with. Yeah. Yeah. More than me. Cause I think I'm willing to do even if there's a little bit of a chance right. that I could have a baby, I want right. to take it. Right. But he is so, he's like, when we were talking about doing another retrieval, he was like, I don't want you to go through that again. Mm. But yeah, it'd be interesting to talk to a husband. For sure. Because yeah. I don't think, I mean, women, have, we have a hard enough time talking about it, yeah. but men for sure, yeah. you know, like Definitely. what they go through mm-hmm. too, it's, it's, they're half of the right. 50% of the puzzle piece here. Yeah. And it's hard because it's hard on guys because for one, they can only understand so much. Mm-hmm. You can never understand really everything a woman goes through in this. Mm-hmm. And that's hard because they can't really help that much. Right. Right. You know, they right. they feel a little bit hopeless or helpless. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially a guy hard. that really feels like a caretaker. Yeah. Right. Like they can do everything else they need to do right. for you. Yeah. But they phys- when it comes to your physical yeah. being and your mm-hmm. body, they can't right. do. And I think it's it's that and also in my personal like situation, I do, I'm very independent and yeah. I do everything on my own. I think I kind of play things down even a little, yeah. you know, if I'm struggling with something, I just want to figure it out on my own. And he's seen the impact that this had, has had on me. Right. So it's like really kind of shook him because mm-hmm. of that. Cause mm-hmm. usually I'm in control of things and if there's a problem, then here's the solution. But with this, like a side he hasn't seen yet. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So can I ask what y'all decided to do? Yeah. So we sent it off for, to have it tested again. Okay. It was a really hard decision. I really struggled with it because there is a small chance that it can harm mm. the embryo and make it come back abnormal, even if it was going to be normal. But I want to, since I've gone through all of this and, and the genetic testing is an additional $4,000, mm-hmm. I wanted to get an answer because if I just say, okay, 
let's just chance it. And a lot of people told me, they're like, don't retest it again. I did it and I have twins. I didn't. And I have, here's my five-year-old. Like there's every story in the book. Sure. If you're listening to this, you please, the one thing I would say is do not compare your story to anybody else's. How do you block out what other people have to say? I mean, that's got to be the hardest part. That's the hardest part of sharing. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Like I'll, you want to share to help people. Exactly. But also, that opens you to the yeah. other half of the people exactly. that want to judge you. Mm-hmm. Right. And just put their experience on you. Right. When your experience is not mine. Right. You know, um, and I don't need to hear about your bad experience. You know oh. what I mean? Like read the, like that, that's what like boggles my mind about, especially women. You it's like, mean? just be supportive. You can tell me your horror story after. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, I don't need to hear it right now. Exactly. You would not believe. So what? It, like, what is your? What are your coping mechanisms for that part of this journey? <laughs> uh, I don't have any. <laughs> Do you just not respond to people, or just like I try to try respond. to go in one ear without the other? Yes, yeah. I I try to see where they're coming from. Because most people, even if they're sharing something, it's from a good place. Mm -hmm. Even though it does not have, it's not helpful. Right. It's not helpful. Right. Um, Now the, the success stories are helpful. Yeah. Because when you're going through this, even though you know that you're trying to get this end result, it's really hard to see the light at the end of that tunnel. It gets really dark and you're so unsure and you're uncertain and especially when you're put in a situation where you're trying to figure out, should I retest this embryo or not? It's like, right. I started feeling, I told my mom, I was like, this might make me so weird. But I, th- so they send, so we live in Georgia. They send it to California for the testing. Really? Yeah. And I didn't want my baby to go to California again. Right. Like that was, seems so far. Yeah. And I already feel like protective of it. You yeah, know, I'm like, yeah. what if something happens? Right. What if they drop it? Right. What if it gets mixed up? You just, you start to question everything. Right. And it's like so, the more steps you have to go through, the more things that can happen. Yeah. And yeah. you don't need people making you second guess yourself more because I promise you, you, you do that on your own. Right. And that's what's hard. And that's what happened to me last week. I shared, I was really confident in my decision, yeah. although it was hard to come to. And then I got messages that really upset me mm-hmm. because it was the exact opposite. Right. Um, so it makes you second guess something that was already hard for you to decide on initially. Yeah. Yeah. So to cope, I think taking things people say with a grain of salt and understanding that your story is not the same. Right. You know, just because I can tell you right now, people I could go to their house right now and say they did not do genetic testing and they have twins. Mm -hmm. They did. And here's their five-year-old. Right. You know, so Honestly, I just kind of feel like it's the timing and God already has this laid out. So you're just going to do the best you can and it's going to work itself out. So you're obviously huge faith-based mm-hmm. Christian, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you heavily rely on that. Yes. What are some other things that you do just, just for you, Lacey, you know, regardless of trying to get pregnant or not, uh-huh. what are some things as a business owner, as a, a mom-to-be things that you do to stay mentally well? Um, I could do better at <laughs> that <laughs> because so from the start, from when I opened up this business, I like took it all on me to make sure that it was successful. Yeah. I did every single part of the business. Right. And I have continued to do that. And 
that this has worked out for me somehow, but somehow seeing the impact that I'm making Mm -hmm. and seeing the business grow and that helps, that makes me mentally strong. Yeah. Like that helps me keep going. So just consuming yourself and all this actually makes you. Yeah. I don't like, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't have, I don't meditate. I do. I'm very strong with gratitude. Like I start my day with gratitude and I do pray in the morning and I listen to, you know, like worship music Mm -hmm. in my car. Um, but I really have just thrown myself in this business and seeing it grow and seeing people love themselves and, um, the impact it's had on their life is really what helps me. Yeah. No, that's huge. And you work out yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That is a big one. Movement is huge. Uh, Like when people are struggling, I'm like, what are you doing physically? For sure. Right. I Um, cannot stress that enough. That'll get you out of a dark place immediately. Yeah. I would say that's probably the only thing that it's like is instant. Like the first, my first IUI, when I found out I wasn't pregnant that first time, Mm -hmm. it was an hour before class. And I was, I wasn't going to go, but I went and I know that it helped me. Yeah. It helped me move, move on from the, you know, initial shock of it and processing it and being as positive about the next steps as I could. Right. Which I, is extremely difficult when you're in a bad place. Mm-hmm. I think the last thing people want to do is to get up and move their body and go right. be around people. But mm-hmm. sometimes, at least for me, I have to force myself mm-hmm. to do that. And yeah. then an hour later, I'm like, thank God I did that. Oh, yeah. You know? It makes the biggest difference. Yeah. yeah. Even when I did my retrieval, you're not supposed to work out for 48 <laughs> hours. But so I had my retrieval on a Wednesday. And then on Thursday, I was not in any pain. Yeah. Zero pain. I wasn't taking any medicine. And they called me and told me only one of my embryos had made it. So I was like, screw this. Yeah. I'm not laying around here being depressed. I got to get out of here. Sure. And they already took my eggs. So yeah. what's going to happen? Right. And so I went and worked out the next day. Now, I was in a lot. I don't recommend that. I was in a lot of pain <laughs> days after that. But so mentally, don't it helped do me. anything Lacey did, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. But no, mentally, it right. really helped me. Correct. Yeah. But you're also not the average 33-year-old female, mm-hmm. right, physically. So you're starting from a really strong place there, which is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you stand now? So you sent the embryo back. It's been a week. It's been a week. Have you I heard back? I haven't heard anything. There's, there's more time. I haven't heard anything. Yeah. And you just wait. So how do you, I mean, is your day, is your brain consumed with this? Or like, at least when you're in the studio, does that take it off of what's going on in your personal life? Or is it all just kind of jumbled up right now? And- um, no, being in the studio is the only place that I feel happy to be honest with you in this time in my life. Really? Yeah. I feel like, you know, I'm doing something. Otherwise I feel like I'm just it's wasting okay. time, you know? Yeah, that's all right. So. I mean, I give you props. It's a, that's a, this is a really difficult time. Yeah. And my, with my job, I take it on myself to, to be so positive and so encouraging and energetic, you know, when you're in, you're a group fitness coach. So right. I try to make this the best hour of their day. Yeah. So totally consuming myself with that, even though after I'm emotionally exhausted for <laughs> sure, it helps me and it definitely is a distraction for me. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah, hard. Yeah. Cause literally sometimes I'll get like my clinic, they'll leave stuff on my voicemail and stuff. So I'll like listen to my, a voicemail right before class and then people will be coming in and they will have just told me like horrible news. Right. <laughs> so it is definitely hard sometimes, but it's what I find purpose in. 
So when I was at my worst, um, depression, I think when anyone is at their worst, you fully consume yourself in how bad your life is Mm -hmm. or what you're struggling with. Right. And when I realized that that only perpetuated more struggle for myself is when my life started to change. Yep. But it comes down to literally what you're thinking about every single Mm -hmm. point of the day. Mm -hmm. And if that means subconsciously, like you listening to worship music in the car, right? Subconsciously putting something on that is uplifting or spiritual Mm -hmm. or um, about a totally different topic. Yeah. Um, Like I started listening. People always ask me, what did you do? And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I started listening to The Secret. I thought it was such bullshit. And so frou-frou. And then I just put it on and I was driving around LA and working at people's houses mm-hmm. and I'd be in the car for four or five hours a day, right. listening to this over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, let me at least try this. Like it can't hurt. It can't make me feel any worse than I'm at right, right. now. Mm-hmm. So I truly think when you're in that place, focusing on, and this is why I do this podcast, because putting my energy on someone else, mm-hmm. even when I'm at my worst, mm-hmm selfishly makes me feel so mm-hmm. much better yeah. because it gives you purpose. It gives you value. It mm-hmm. gives you a reason to make someone else smile yeah. and be the best part of their day. Yeah. And I think it makes you stronger. Yeah. Like when I look back over this past like few months and I see that I was able to show up for everyone of my clients in the best way. I didn't give them 50% of myself because I was struggling, you know, and I didn't talk about myself and not ask them about what they're going through because I was struggling. Like, and we have a really amazing community. So I know that my clients want to know how I am. Mm -hmm. They want to talk to me about it. They want to ask me, but I literally have been, I just kind of, quick as quickly as possible turn it on to them. Yeah. What are what's up with you? How are you? What are you going through? Like and that I think makes me stronger. And at the end of this, I think will make me a better leader and a better person. Yeah. Yeah. So if somebody's going through it right now, um, you know, any, any thing that you can say to them besides obviously blocking out the, the negative, the negativity portion mm-hmm. of what people have to say, Yeah, but just like really, you know, just being honest, right? What would you say? Um, maybe they don't have a supportive husband or a supportive mom yeah, or even a mom thinking. that's still alive or a family. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that person yeah, do? Yeah, I think, because that's what I was thinking about is most people don't have, you know, an Instagram platform where they share sure. their personal life. You know, that most people. So, Or they'd be terrified to say right, it, right? Yeah. And then you're worried about like judgment and all that course, stuff. Yeah. You know, if you don't, haven't been doing this for a while. So I think that, knowing like being really aware of the people in your life mm-hmm. and you don't have to share with people who are going to make you second guess mm-hmm. yourself feel bad about yourself i actually know a, a friend who her sister they're not speaking because she chose to do ivf because um they're religiously they're against it mm-hmm. and that's really hard mm-hmm. um so I think being aware of the people, the types of people in your life, and I'm not saying you have to ditch people, but you don't have to talk about this with them or, you know, uh, yeah, you don't have to talk about this with specific people, find people in your life who are supportive and who love you. They don't have to relate. Right. They just want the best for you and want to be able to listen to you when you need to talk. Right. And there are a lot of, if you don't have someone like that, there are a lot of groups. Are there like Facebook groups? Yeah. There's a ton of Facebook groups. Really? Yes a ton of Facebook groups. 
And there are in-person groups as well. Yeah. And you can a lot of times find those in-person groups from the Facebook groups. Sure. So I I would I would go there. I would go to Facebook groups and search. Yeah. And um, they have a lot of ones, a lot of them that are local. Yeah. Um, even even finding a friend through those groups, if they're not local, that you can call or just chat, chat with. with. Because yeah. that, the thing about this is it's really unpredictable. Mm. You can be really hopeful one day and one call can devastate you. Mm. And you need somebody there for you in that. Right. Happens. Right. Has it put a strain on your relationship? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And financially, I'm sure, too. Right. <clears throat> yes. It, it's so. Some people's insurance covers this, okay. which is good. And it's something to look into if you are going through this. There are insurance that co- will cover all of this. Yeah, um, Ours doesn't cover any of it. So that is obviously a, yeah. you know, a burden. It's really expensive. Um, yeah, I think when I just did that egg retrieval, it was like 15 grand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think this one round that we've done will end up being about 24. That's just insane. Yeah, to, for maybe for nothing. Right. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I know. I'm no. kidding. Hopefully will. But yeah. It'll all lot. be worth it. Yeah. You know? yeah. And the relationship part. So I think it could be different for other people. For sure. me personally, I have a really low maintenance husband. Mm. He's very calm. He's very patient. Mm. And when you're going through something like this, sometimes you need to hear something else other than just... Be patient. Mm. Just see how it goes. Because yeah. I've been doing that. And yeah. and I do well doing that most of the time. But there yeah. are some times where I need to know something. Right. And it needs to be good or I'm not going to be good. Right. You know? So. Um, or it'd be nice to have somebody be like, that sucks. Yeah. Right? When yeah. It, sometimes you just need yeah. to hear that. It's like. Sometimes you need some misery loves company. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's great to be positive and like real, whatever. Mm-hmm. But sometimes if somebody's like. Yeah. Oh my God, that sucks. I'm, I, I feel for you. Right. And with, with someone, if you, if you do have a husband like that and and it goes back to almost like they they can only understand so much, like he's like, okay, in, in his mind, it's like, okay, here are the facts and you shared them with me. So in a week we'll know something, Mm. but you are tortured for a week. Right. You know, where they aren't as much they're just not and it's not that they don't care they can just only understand what you're going through so much every second you have you have to put your mind somewhere else right because it will automatically just consume you yeah and um he doesn't understand that and then there's the sexual part mm. um it's really hard during this process for multiple reasons you don't feel very good about your body yeah and you resent that mm. in, a, in a way because mm-hmm is sex becomes about something else. Right. And even if it doesn't, you just resent it in general because of what you're going through. Sure. So yeah, it's, it's straining in that way. And I think being as open in communication about it as possible is the best thing because like I will like internalize a lot. And by the time I let him know, I don't necessarily let him know in the most calm, best way. Mm. Whereas if I said I need I need some support here right. sooner, right, then it would it would be better. So that if I was to give advice, that would be it to communicate as much as you can, yeah, and be understanding that there is only so much that they can understand, right, and not like expect them to read your yeah, mind. Yeah, you, yeah, you can't resent them for not 
understanding what you're going through because I physically can't. Right. You know? Right. So have you been leaning on your sister a lot since she went through some of this? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. She's amazing. She's a little younger than me, but um, we're very close and it's for the most part. So she has uh, twins. So it worked for her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so that's my point here. Uh, yeah. I FaceTime mm. the babies. So they're uh, nine months old mm. now. And so I FaceTime them every day. So it's like a real life reminder yeah. of there is an end, yeah. you know, here. And for the most part, that works really well. And then there are some times still where I'm not sure that I'll ever, I'll ever get there. That'll ever be me. Yeah. So it is really helpful, but then you still struggle sometimes. Right. Right. Do you think that that whole, <clears throat> like almost too good to be true, like, or, or, you know, everything was going a certain way and then, then COVID happened, like mm-hmm. that sort of mentality mm-hmm. comes from your childhood and the way that you were raised uh, where it's sure. like, it's just like, um, it can't happen to me, right? Like yeah. it's too good to be true. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely my, my number one, like I would say like self-limiting belief is like that I'm not good enough. Yeah. Um, because I happened to be just a rat. My friends were like very popular. And like I said, their parents are all married and they had like good jobs and stuff. So it was everybody around me. Mm. And I tried so hard to like be in that and be a part of that, but it wasn't ever actually me. Mm. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, for you, you went through it. It's like, that's my life. Yeah. But for somebody that has a different like, background or different growing up they look at that and like that that dealing with what we go through as a as a kid um can have major effects as adults right and what Mm -hmm. we go through and how we see the world Mm -hmm. so it makes a lot of sense that you throw yourself into your business that Mm -hmm. you're up 20 out of 24 hours Mm -hmm. a day that you're constantly doing something Mm -hmm. to keep your brain occupied yeah yeah, I mean, this it goes back to like I'm trying to control as much of my life as I can because um, I never I just it's the security part. Yeah. You know, there yeah. was no security. We moved in with my aunt. We moved in with my grandpa. We lived in my grandmother's house. You know, uh, my mom was married twice and my stepdads were great people mm-hmm. and both uh, had addictions. Mm. So. It was all, it was, there was no security. Mm. And there's no like safe space. Did you feel not in a physical sense, but just Uh like, there's no safety net, right? There's no, right. Like if this doesn't work, we have to go live with this person and go live with this person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was, uh, I don't, I don't know why I kind of developed this mindset. I just, um, we were staying at my, um, grandfather's house. Mm -hmm. So we were living, um, in a neighborhood, we got evicted and we were living with my grandfather and I was sleeping in his, uh, he had like a small room with a piano and a desk. Mm -hmm. So it was, I guess his office, he was a pastor. So it was like, you know, where he like did his notes and stuff. And I remember thinking, I have got to get out of here. I was, uh, (laughs) a freshman in college at the time, Yeah, but I was commuting to a community college and, my aunt lived in the town where the college was my great aunt. Yeah. My grandmother's sister. Okay. So I moved in with her 
And I got a job at a mall there and I went to college there. And then I went to Georgia Southern from there. So I tried to do what I could to get out. And since then, I, I have, I haven't stopped working to make sure that I don't have to go back. Right. Right. That makes a lot of sense. So you put yourself through college, I assume. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, do you go back and visit at all? I go back for Christmas. And then if, so my mom and my sisters don't live there anymore, but the rest of my family does. So I see my mom and my sisters a lot, Yeah. but I don't go back. Right. I see. Um, I see. I go for like Christmas and like weddings and stuff like that. I mean, does your family family. have any idea what you've built up here? Yeah. I think they do. Yeah. Yeah. Is anyone like, are they they proud and happy for you? Or is it just kind of like. Mm-hmm. Lacey went off and did her own thing. Uh, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm very, all the women in my life are really close. Okay. Um, like my mom is one of three and there are two girls and a boy. Yeah. And I'm very close with my aunt and all of her kids and not so much with the uncle and his. Wow. That's crazy. So your sister lives up here or nearby? My sister lives, my youngest lives in Milledgeville. Mm-hmm. And then my, my, the one that's closer to me in age lives in Montgomery, Alabama for her That's husband's the one job. With the twins. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like you were saying, you know, it's it's nice to have that, but I'm sure it's also hard at the same time because it's just a reminder of like that's what you want, right? Like Yeah, yes, yeah. I don't have any resentment towards her. Right. I wasn't sure if I would, honestly. It's a really weird situation. You get new feelings all the time when you go through this. <laughs> <laughs> but, but so far, no. So so good. No. Wow. All right. So like we're going to jump back into when this all started, you decided to open a second location. Like it's kind of, and I'm sure people say this to you all the time and it's probably hard for you to accept, but it's, did you ever stop and just like say like, I'm so proud of you. Like it's pretty incredible what you've built, like hearing your story Mm -hmm. and I've known parts of it, but Mm -hmm. like piecing it all together. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think many people could do what you do and are going through and have built two successful businesses and a marriage and going through this, is it hard to give yourself credit? Yeah. 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 Just because no one has ever given you credit before, right? Growing up maybe, or like you've never had that external pat on the back. I wouldn't say that. Like my mom is the best mom in the world. Yeah. So it's not that. It's just, I don't know when I will feel like, I don't want to say like I've made it, you know, but like secure. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Because you you spent your whole life going through what you Mm -hmm. went through. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I I, I just know I'm not there yet. I (laughs) I don't know when it'll happen. And I don't, I just, honestly, I have, it was when I first moved here, I got a job in telecom sales mm-hmm. and I was, I remember I had lined up several interviews cause I was driving up here. So I'd lined up several interviews and I just wanted, and moving up here, like I, I didn't move home at all in the interim from college. After college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I knew I would get stuck there and I knew when I moved here, I just needed someone to give me a chance. Mm. Someone that did not know about my family, Mm. you know, someone that would not frown because my last name wasn't so-and-so and and Mm. my dad owned a such and such business in our town. This is the only thing that matters. Mm. seems like at the time. And I just wanted somewhere where people, I could decide what they knew me as. 
I just wanted someone to give, give me a chance. And from that first job that I got when I moved here, uh, I ran with it. Yeah. Yeah. So you've opened up Alpharetta. Mm-hmm. So now you have two locations. Mm-hmm. And are you able to share what's going on with the first location? We're pretty close to oh. a new lease, right? Yes. So we are com- So my lease, I signed a three-year lease, scared to death, mm-hmm. thinking, oh, anyway, I was terrified. Signed a three-year lease and our three years will be October, okay. this October. Got it. And so f- since, really since last June, which I opened the other location in May, and in June I started looking for somewhere to buy on the first one <laughs> because it, it's the control thing. When you yeah. lease, right. your rates go up every year no right. matter what. And if I want this to be something that lasts, right. I'm in 1,386 square feet, and I'm paying so much money for it. Yeah. You know, and it's just going to keep going up. So right. I wanted like a forever home for my people. And I thought I found something last year. I went through a couple of months of a lot of stuff. Uh-huh. With, and it fell through. Uh, nothing on my part. And recently, actually, the week of the week after my retrieval, actually, after not being able to find any options because the real estate market commercial is even worse than the yeah. residential, if you can believe that, there's no options. And um, I had almost decided that I was going to have to lease again mm. because there were, there's like no options to buy. Right. Everybody's leasing. Nobody will buy, will sell. And I went to a location to for le- that was for lease just because I wanted to find somewhere that was a little bigger, but that wasn't so much more expensive because I'm in downtown Chambly mm-hmm. and the, it's the highest rates in anywhere in Atlanta. So um, I remember the guy that met me who owned the building, I was like, I've been trying to buy and I just kind of dropping that to people that I see. So if they have anything or if they know of anyone, right. you know, and he started laughing at me and he was like, that's impossible. And he wasn't meaning it in any kind of way. And right then I decided I was not leasing. Mm. I was going to find somewhere to buy. And he said, he was like, if you're not a developer, you won't find anything to buy in this market. And I was like, see you later. <laughs> Um, so I called my agent and I was like, I have definitely not caving on leasing. Yeah. I'm not doing yeah. that. I need to find somewhere. And that week I found two places, um, for sale and it was a good distraction. It was my, re- literally my retrieval right after right. my retrieval. Right. So that was amazing. I've, uh, again, I feel like God did that for me. Um, cause it had been a year since I had found zero opportunities and I've been going forward with that for the last few weeks. We've had contractors out and I've been meeting with my agent and seeing different properties. Yeah. And I found a really, really great one. We're not under contract yet, so I don't want to get my hopes up too much, uh-huh. but we should be under contract by next week. That's awesome. So yeah. fingers crossed for that. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Alpharetta sounds like it's doing, I haven't been to that studio mm-hmm. yet, but it sounds like it's crushing yeah. it. Yeah. Um, it's growing. So your businesses are good. Mm-hmm. Things are kind of in place. Yeah. And now we're just waiting on some news. Yeah. And then I, you go from there, right? Yeah. I have this vision Yeah, that will be in our new space because it's large. It's like almost three times what my current space is, which we're not going to lose the feel. I'm just going to add on a personal training mm-hmm. program, mm-hmm. which will take up a lot of the space. But um, I just have this vision of me like huge I want to have the biggest belly. I want to be huge. I've always said this. And I, I just picture myself like waddling around, like moving into that place. So I hope that that's happens. amazing. I, hope that that happens. I think you just keep that vision. Yeah. And I think you're, you're at some point you're going to be like, 
it's here. I'm sure of it now, you know? Right, right. <clears throat> yeah. It'll happen. I'm hoping. I feel it. I feel it. <laughs> I've been going to a, so I've been too scared to like let myself go deep, too deep into like what I want it to be and what would its name be and like, can we like pick out some stuff or like, you know, I haven't envisioned yeah. what it will look like or anything. I'm too scared. Right. And I've been started going to a fertility acupuncturist a couple of weeks ago and she was like, I need you to manifest that. Mm. Like you, you got to believe it for, for, in which I felt a little bit guilty anyway, cause I was praying for something mm. and I have faith that it'll happen. But if I, if I don't let myself envision it, then do I really believe right. that it'll happen? So I was already conflicted about that. So when she gave me the permission, I fully have been using my acupuncture time to like see us on our first beach trip yeah. and see his nursery yeah. and stuff like that, that I didn't yeah. let myself do before. Did you do that? Like when you were thinking about the business, right? You envisioned the space, you envisioned. Oh yeah. That was. Yeah. Right. But it's the same rules apply to this. Yeah. Which is probably what you're. I'm just in a little less control. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, for sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. But it's that same, I'm assuming your acupuncturist is talking about that same sort of, you know, see it to believe it right sort of thing yeah and this when i walked into this hopefully what will be our new space it's so beautiful and it's just um it almost feels a little bit like a reward mm. for just going for what i believed was my purpose yeah. without just genuinely i yeah. just you know without any expectations sort of, and any huge business plan and yeah any, exactly yeah. yeah it's like let me just do what feels right yeah and this was like kind of a warm-up Mm -hmm. Right. This space right. is a warm up, and right. now right. Here, it's game time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's really exciting. We're gonna have a nutrition coaching office, a spray tan room, a personal training section, all the things that I we don't that. have the room for. All right. So you are doing some things to help the the journey. So um, fertility acupuncturist. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know that was a thing. Neither did I. Anything else? Because obviously, like your diet is probably on point. Yeah. Like anything else that the things that you can control, what else are you doing for that? Yeah. It's really funny because I've started believing that you can't control any of it. <laughs> I Other than like the acupuncture, it's like, I think really has an outcome. And I have been told literally since I started this, that this is what I should be doing. People swear by this lady really? that I go to. Yes. It's insane. She has like a cult following, not online. And, right. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, but otherwise Literally, when I say, I just think it's timing. Obviously, try to like do what makes you feel good and what puts right. you in a good space mentally. And, right. You know, as far as like what you eat and moving your body, make you make sure that you mm -hmm. are keeping yourself <clears throat> in a positive space. Right. But like, there's just so many examples. Like my sister did all five IUIs and one transfer with IVF. Jeez. And she didn't drink at all. Mm. And then the last one, she was like, you know, whatever. So in her last transfer, she did drink and she has twins. It's the only time that it worked. So it's like, listen, you know, every, and there's a thousand stories like yeah. that, you know? Yeah. So I just think try to stay, do what you can control to keep yourself ha happy and positive. Right. And just go through the steps and, and believe, yeah, believe that it'll happen. Yeah. Well, I, I am excited, honestly. I'm excited for your journey. Um, I'm sure it's terrifying at the same time, <laughs> but just being someone in the fitness industry, I, I, you have created an incredible space. Um, I've seen it, I've watched it grow mm -hmm. and that's really special. Not a lot of people can do that. Thank you. So that means a lot props to, me. to you for that, yeah. especially during the past two years. That makes me cry. <laughs> when so, I mean, I've worked at two locations that shut down mm -hmm. and they were corporate locations. Yeah. So you, you have something special. Yeah. And that I'm sure of. <laughs> yeah. 
and <clears throat> you will, it will happen. Thank and you. I'm just so honored that you were very open and raw. Mm-hmm. And I know that wasn't easy, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of people can hear your voice that don't have a voice right, or anyone to listen to them. And I think they're going to be able to hear this and have some sort of comfort. Yeah. And I, I didn't think about this when I was mentioning or talking about reaching out to people, but I'm happy to talk to people that need someone to talk to about so it. So where can we ever, where can everyone find you? Um, the easiest way is probably Instagram. Okay. It's Lacey Lifit okay. on Instagram. And I'm happy to talk to anybody about okay. it. So it's L-A-C-E-Y. L-I-V-E-F-I-T. There we go. There we go. And then you also are online. So if anyone is interested in virtual training. Oh, yeah. We have a huge virtual training. Yeah. Let's let's throw that out there. (laughs) We do. Yeah. I just started. So I did virtual all during quarantine. Okay. And then we opened, I was like, screw virtual. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, actually, that's not true. I did virtual every day for a year. Yeah. But after that, I was like, I just want to be in person. But then there's so many people who, it, they live too far. Yeah. So, yeah, we just started opening our virtual back up. And it's really great this time because um, before it was like a live time. Right. And it's hard for people's schedule right. to be somewhere at anywhere at any time. So now we have like an on-demand library. Great. Um, And you can do the workouts anytime from anywhere that works for you. So they can sign up to be a member, mm-hmm. right? Yep, and then have access to this virtual library. Yep, a virtual member. Yeah. We so have like a DM group for accountability that's nice. super helpful. We do live workouts together. Yeah. Great. So there's this whole community you've created, mm-hmm. which is what people need now more than ever. Yeah. So how it's, can they find that? So that is not open for new people all the time. Okay. I do like certain open enrollments for that. Um, I would say, honestly, like just either follow, lift it. It sounds so weird. Follow me on Instagram yeah, yeah. and DM me or just watch my stories and you'll know when I open it up. Cause I really, it'll be sometime in April. I didn't open it up at all in March. So I would open up for new members virtually sometime in April. Okay. So if you're not local, check her out, follow along and, um, jump in when you can. Yeah, that would be great. All right. Well, thank, thank you for you. sharing your story, Lacey. Of I give you a lot of credit. Thank you. And you have so much to offer the world, especially um, as you become a mom. So Thank you. we'll be watching your story. I appreciate it. And Thank praying you. for you. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. The biggest compliment I ever receive is when you like the episode, you share it with your friends and your family or a stranger that is in need of hearing this information and from these beautiful guests, and then also to give us a five-star review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I would also love to hear from you. So if you would like, you can DM me at six feet above podcast on Instagram, or send me an email six feet above podcast at gmail.com. So that's six, the number six feet above podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear your questions, your comments, your feedback, your suggestions, and also any guests that you would love to hear from in the future. Thanks for listening.